Welcome to everyone here and everyone watching online on this, the first day of spring, where we understand how even modern people like us are connected to the rhythm of the seasons, growing seasons, seasons of the Lord. From death and darkness to rebirth is what spring reminds us of. It's a time to contemplate. And we see something like this picture that we'll be seeing of almond blossoms. We see the cherry blossoms along this walkway in front of the church begin to flower. Vincent van Gogh painted this after the birth of his nephew because we all see new life reflected in springtime. So before we read this passage for this morning, let's pray. Oh, indeed, Lord, give us Jesus this day, Jesus guiding us and teaching us and loving us through his word this morning, this first day of spring in this season of Lent. May this word transform us and grow us, all for the glory of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So listen, this is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galatians whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, do you think that because these Galatians suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galatians? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all will perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So thank you, Pastor Dave, for entrusting me with this interesting Lenten passage about death and manure. I had some really interesting sermon titles that might go with this emoji. I'll let you imagine the possibilities, but I didn't want to have to repent. You know, I like my job. This interesting passage, it's part of our lectionary. Pastor Dave didn't choose it. It's a plan of weekly scripture readings read by many churches across the world. Perhaps your friends in Pakistan are reading it today during the season of Lent. God's word is trustworthy. We can rely on God's wisdom, but sometimes we've got to dig a little deeper to understand, right? Sometimes in God's word, we're contemplating sweet baby Jesus in the manger. It's easy. It's beautiful. And sometimes we're digging through manure in Lent. Our passage is about the human condition in a world that is full of beauty, but it is also desecrated by depravity. So how should we respond as faithful followers of Jesus 
How should we live in this world? So there are two parts to this interesting passage. There's a story about tragic murder and death and a parable about growing, about fruitfulness. And we only find this parable in Luke. It may not be as familiar to us as the stories shared across all the Gospels. The first part is about these stories of death, people killed as they worship, crushed by a building also, another story. And this is apparently horrible news that the people were talking about. They were buzzing about it as Jesus entered town. And who's behind this death and defilement? That horrible, cruel, heartless Pilate. We know this guy, Pontius Pilate. We'll see him again in a few weeks on Good Friday. And we detest him and all who wield cruel power like this. Pilate apparently murdered pilgrims from Galatia coming to worship. We don't know the fullness of the story. This tower collapse, it seems that it was Pilate's vanity building where due to callous disregard for the workers' safety, they were crushed like bugs. This week in my brain, I've been thinking of this song, a song sung by Mary Chapin Carpenter. Sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug. Splat. In the Roman Empire, laborers without status, they weren't valued by those with political power. Their lives were as meaningless as bugs hitting a cruel, uncaring windshield. But how did the people around Jesus make sense of these deaths? To understand this question, we have to put ourselves in the mindset of that ancient Mideast society, because there was this idea that if tragedy happened, it was partly the victim's fault. The implication being that perhaps if these people were pure, if they were holy, if they'd repented of all their sins, just then, just somehow, Jesus would have saved them. God would have saved them. They wondered, why didn't God save these people? There must be something wrong with them. We recognize this as victim blaming, don't we? So let me ask you, do you blame the innocent people of the Ukraine for their deaths under the world's latest heartless, cruel leader, Putin? No. Of course not. It's not our usual modern way, at least not on the surface. But let's dig a little deeper. How do they get to that victim blaming? I think this is the train of thought. If other people's sin is the reason that they suffer tragedy, well, just somehow, if we could be holy and righteous enough, well, then maybe we'd be safe. So I think that baseline motivation for victim blaming is more about fear than a lack of compassion for others' suffering. How does Jesus respond? Does he berail and talk about Pilate? No. He tells them that the sin or the innocence of these victims, that's not the point here. Pilate's certainly cruel and evil, but sin and death, they are even bigger foes than this one human. Jesus, he's about to go head to head with sin and death. That's foreshadowed. With our hindsight, we know that the cross is looming before Jesus. Jesus knows that humans are powerless against the foes of death and sin. We're like bugs hitting a windshield. Jesus said there's another way. Jesus invites us to 
turn around, look at where we've come from, go back to where we're meant to be, look in the rearview mirror, look home, look back at the Garden of Eden, that field of grace where we're not defined by who we hate or what we fear, but by who loves us, who dwells with us. In Lent, we must look back at that Garden of Eden and look at the sacrifice of Jesus that takes us there. We are to repent, which means turn around. Metanoa, that Greek word translated as repent, literally means turn your mind around. In English, repent seems to focus on shame or remorse that a person might experience because of their sin, and that's a part of it, that's important, but let's not lose that emphasis of turning around, changing our direction. Turn your mind away from the lies that you can earn protection by being good. Turn your mind away from the lie that the things that are scary are more powerful than Jesus, who is sacred. Turn your mind away from the lie that your sins are so small, they don't matter. Turn your mind away from the idea that your sins are so big that they can't be redeemed. Turn your mind away from these lies and instead normalize brokenness as part of the human condition that Jesus came to redeem. You know, we all have places that aren't fruitful, don't we? I know we do. I know I do. Jesus desires that we have fruitful lives filled with peace, and it's a peace that Jesus describes in this parable about a vineyard and a tree. Jesus told this parable with this depiction of peace and security found throughout the Bible. Shalom peace is when everyone may sit under their own fig tree and eat from their own vine. You know, vines require years of cultivation to mature, and so they are evidence of good years of peace, of water. And then fig trees, the big fig trees, offer a shady corner, a cover under spring and summer, uh, summertime uh, heat. The fruit ripens in late summer, and they don't ripen all at once. So every time you sat to rest under your fig tree, you might find a newly ripe piece of fruit, juicy and tender. And for these people of this agricultural-based society, this vineyard and this tree, they describe a place of abundance, of beauty, of security and peace. And for us, maybe your dream of shalom peace may not be a vineyard and a tree full of fruit. It might be, but not many of us are agricultural people. Many of you love being outside, so pause and dream of a place where you would have security for your family, a vocation with a secure income, a connection to something grounded and permanent, a peaceful dwelling place in rhythm with God's beauty and nature, just like the people that were listening to Jesus teach. We know that none of us have lives that are totally perfect, totally at peace, totally fruitful. There's always that one tree without fruit for all of us. We all know inside that there are places that are broken. Sometimes it's open. Sometimes it's secret. Sometimes we can compartmentalize it and deny it. But deep and down, 
deep down inside, we know that's true. We know we also have hurt places that aren't fruitful because we've been harmed. Sometimes we're broken down by others' sins. Betrayal happens. People do evil things or just thoughtless things. People who are hurt then hurt other people, and the damage continues. And then, of course, our human bodies, they fail us. Death separates us from those that we love for a painful season on earth, and this will happen for all of us. In short, manure happens, right? Jesus' parable takes, take, tells us this, repent, turn around and face the manure head on. Dig it into the soil. See, the gardener knows that manure can be made clean and integrated, broken down by the soil into nutrients of new life if you are openly digging it in. That which is shameful or broken can actually be the source of your greatest growth. Some of you are probably predicting this is coming. A quote from my dream BFF, Brené Brown, researcher and author. I love her guidance about how to grow. And this is what she says, having the courage to own our own mistakes, screw-ups, and failures, and to embed the key learnings yields the exact same results as adding nutrient-rich hummus to soil. It brings growth and new vitality. So rich soil, hummus of decaying matter or manure. Friends, let's transform our failures by digging it into the soil of our lives. Our sins, our sadness, our shame, our stinkiness. Don't get caught up in comparison and blame, but focus on our own soil. Turn and see in your own field, Jesus the gardener, digging alongside you, working with you through your soil, through the soil of your holy brokenness and discontent. This can be the work of your holy Lent. Jesus invites us to repent, to turn our mind to redeeming, replanting, and fertilizing our lives for new growth. Lent is the perfect time to recommit to this. It can be painful to contemplate our brokenness and our hurt. It can be painful to dig around. Sometimes we prefer denial. But it's a purposeful pain. It's a healthy pain. And here's what we know, that that which is broken can be the source of your greatest power, not just in your own life, but in the lives of others, those who surround you. I just discovered someone, Kate Bowler, a church historian and a theologian. Pastor Dave pointed her out to me. I've been following her blog. She's a young mother who's been living with a diagnosis of advanced cancer. And she's written wisdom about the superpower of brokenness. She wrote that if you're the kind of person who's unlucky, if you might feel this feeling where you start to notice, start to count or notice other people's pain or happiness in comparison to your own, she suggests this perspective on how to see affliction. Blessed are you who see things clearly where struggle is everyone's normal. You walk among the fellowship of the afflicted, a club no one wants to join. And while this life isn't shiny, 
it does come with superpowers. Superpowers of ever-widening empathy and existential courage that get you back up after another fall, and a deepened awe of the beauty and love that can be found amid life's rubble. Like flowers that grow from the cracks in the sidewalk, these virtues blossom in you, and thank God for you. So wow, superpowers of ever-widening empathy. This is what it is to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who takes brokenness and redeems it, and those who follow them, follow him do the same. Brokenness can become fruitful in the lives of others when we redeem it in our own lives. We can provide a, grace, a piece of, place of grace, a place of shade and care for others. And here's some examples I know firsthand. People who've struggled with challenges of addiction, people who have confronted death and grief, people who have worked that hard soil, they become the most fruitful and amazing Stephen ministers. Powerfully caring for others, listening with so much love and empathy. Those who experience the betrayal of those they love abusing them, they do the most powerful work with victims of domestic violence. Those who lost a child are the only safe place often for those who go through that same tragedy. Those who suffer with mental illness in their families, they are the ones who provide grace and hope for others. Those who walk through darkness in any form, they are the ones who can point to the other side, to the sweetness of life dwelling with God. So friends, in this holy Lent, in this season of spring, turn and tend the field of your own life, tilling the soil wherever you are broken, wherever you need to repent. Look and you'll see Jesus, the gardener, right alongside with you, tilling the soil. In Christ, he is our hope and our strength. And everyone says, amen.